Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. Help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. So I was talking to some of our pastors the other day after uh, 4640 conference, because 4640 conference last week was just incredible. God blessed in such awesome ways. And, uh, you know, there's so much work that goes into those, so much planning. I mean, they start back in, you know, six months out planning uh, for these events. And, and really, with the events that we do here at the church, they're, they're all that way. I mean, they take a lot of work, and there's a lot of, uh, um, there's a lot of uh, prep and announcements and planning and all that kind of thing. And then the event happens, and then nothing, right? It's over. I mean, even the event, the event is awesome, but as soon as it's over, it's over. And it's interesting because the devil seems to know that. He knows about these high points in your life. He knows about these big events in your life. And it seems like when they're done, then that's when he likes to attack. That's when he likes to mess with you. And so I was talking to these guys who are just, they're awesome pastors on our staff. And I was like, hey, you know, conference was awesome. All these great things happened. But how did you feel after what happened after? Did you, did you get attacked? And they're like, oh, yeah. We got attacked with, you know, our you know, thought life. We got attacked with, uh, you know, just struggling with different issues. And we got attacked with depression. We got attacked with this, this heaviness that, that kind of came over us. And, and it was interesting because we could all kind of share about it and go, well, hey, we're all in the same boat here. It's obvious it's from the enemy. But what can we do in those situations? Well, you also may not, you, you know, you know about a 4640 conference, but something else big in my life happened a, a few weeks ago, and that's my youngest daughter got married. Yes, she got married, which was really awesome. Another big event, had to do all kinds of planning, had all kinds of family come in. It was just this big celebration of her, and it was, it was awesome. But when it was over, it was over. And it was like this depression came, just came on me. And it's tough. And if you are an empty nester, you will have to remember and recall with me when your final child left the house, how that felt. I mean, it was, it was hard. I mean, that the first week I was, I was crying and I'd come home at night and I wouldn't see her car in the driveway. And I'm like, she's not here anymore. <laughs> And I remember sitting down with my wife and, and watching. We always have these certain shows that we watch together and we watch with her. And so we were watching one of those shows that had been DVR'd. And, and we looked over and the couch is empty. And we're like, oh, she's not here. She's not here. And she's, you know, really busy and things are always going on. And so a lot of times she wouldn't get home until late in the evening. But there's something about the fact that, oh, she's not coming home. But those of you that maybe going into that emptiness segment of your life, this too shall pass. Because after that week, I started doing pretty good. I started realizing this is pretty awesome. I can find my remote at any time. I know where it's at. I don't have to ask anybody to pick anything up anymore. Our house is so clean. It's awesome. It's amazing. My, the amount of chick flicks I have to watch has decreased 
And I, I got her off of my insurance. <gasps> Glory to God in the highest. I don't pay for her cell phone bill. Our electric bill, our water bill, all has just been drastically cut. I'm rich. I didn't even know. But I love her. I love my kids. I love the fact that I am an empty nester now. I get to share a home with a beautiful wife. And I've got the, you know, the, we got the world by the tail, right? But those times of depression can hit. And when they do, they're serious. And it's funny because it seems like when other people go through, to, through depression, we don't usually, we aren't, we aren't usually real compassionate. We're just like, hey, come on, step out of it. You'll be okay. Come on, you know, get your mind off of it. Just, just get over it. And you can't get over it. There's something in you. There's this darkness. There's this sadness that's come over you. And it's very hard to come out of it. And it seems like when you think about depression in your life, and everybody deals with it, that it usually starts with one thing. It almost always starts with disappointment. Almost always. And you think about the things in your life where you've been disappointed. And usually the reason that you struggle after a high point in your life is because afterwards it's a little disappointing. Like the holidays came and they went, and you kind of had the Clark W. Griswold thing happening where you built this up in your mind so big and then it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. And so, you know, you're disappointed. Or you, or you have some event that has happened in your life and you thought it was going to go one way and it goes another. And, and you're disappointed and it's frustrating. And you, and you get in this disappointment and it's like, oh, man. So disappointed, and it just didn't go the way I wanted it to. And you start thinking things like, I don't deserve this, right? I don't deserve it. And you say things like, Why now? Why now? Why does this have to happen now? When it rains, it pours. It seems like when things go bad, they just get worse. We think things like, Why did this have to happen to me? Let it happen to somebody else. You know, I've been having my quiet times, God. I've been spending close, really good time with you. I've been, been re really being good. Why did this have to happen to me? Now, we've all had disappointments. And I remember one in particular where I was uh, with my family, and we did this. We bought a boat. First mistake. And we bought this boat, and it was a new boat. And we bought it. The other stupid thing we did is we bought it like in February because we wanted to get a good deal on it. And if you ever buy a summer toy in the winter, the winter goes by twice as slow. Because you can't wait to get on that four-wheeler. You can't wait to get in that camper. You can't wait to use that boat. So we got this boat. And, man, we just, oh, just dredged through winter. Man, the thaw came, the lake started opening up, we, war, water got warm enough for us to go. And I remember it's like, yes, this is the weekend. We took time off, got our camper ready, got the boat ready, headed to the lake. So excited. And we backed the boat into the, the water and we're right there at the boat ramp. And I'm in there and I got this big smile on my face. I'm like, oh, I'm going to water ski. I'm going to air chair. It's going to be so cool. And I turned the key and nothing Nothing. Brand new boat. I get a little frustrated. 
little ticked off. And my wife sees when I get this way, you know, she sees it. And so she's like trying to calm me down. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. Well, I got I to I gotta look at the engine. got to figure out what's going on. And so, you know, I open up the engine compartment and I'm, I'm in there and I've got the, got the guy on the phone that sold me the boat. He's got me into the service department. I got a mechanic and, I, and he's talking to me and I'm, I'm working through it. And, but it's not like this, okay? Because they don't make boat motors where you can work on them. They're never right at eye level. They're like this. And you're trying to get to the problem of the engine, and you can't get to it. And of course, you get all kinds of helpful people that walk by that say things like, oh, your boat's not running, huh? I gave you the first clue. No, I love to get into my engine compartment when it's 110 degrees outside. I have some impurities I want to sweat out. Or they make jokes like, oh, you know what a boat is. It's a fiberglass hole in the water in which you pour money. <laughs> yeah, real funny, real funny. And so I'm on the phone with the mechanic, and he's telling me, okay, I want you, want you to pull this wiring harness out, and I want you to peel back the, uh, the tape, and I want you to find the blue wire, and I want you to cut the blue wire. And I'm like, there's 15 blue wires. I feel like I'm on a bad episode of Mission Impossible. I cannot figure this out. I am so frustrated. I am so disappointed. And I want so bad to be able to play with my family, but I can't do it. And I am ticked and I am mad. And let me tell you something. You don't want to see bad Timmy. Because bad Timmy is not fun to be around. And my wife can see bad Timmy coming. And she knows how to handle me. And it's wonderful because she can talk me down. And she can say things like, Tim, it's okay. Your sister's got a boat. We can go out. We can do, do the lake with them. And we can still camp. It's still going to be fun. You don't have to. Don't, get, don't worry. It's going to be all right. The boat's under warranty. We'll get it fixed. We'll be able to bring it out next time. And so she talks me down. And at that point, I, I, I can get out of the disappointment barrel and go, all right, I'm going to change my thought process. I'm going to change my attitude. I'm going to get over this. But most of the time, we don't do that. Most of the time, we go over to this barrel. I'm almost 50. Stupid. <laughs> Most of the time we go over into this barrel and we get discouraged. So we're disappointed. We don't deal with that right. And then we get discouraged. And uh, we say things like, I feel like I'm sinking. Right? We say things like, I'm not going to make it out of this. We think things like, will this ever change? Will it ever change? Now, the children of Israel, when they came out of the promised land, or they came from going to the promised land out of captivity, they were in slavery for 400 years. 
It was bad. I mean, they were whipped and chastised and driven to do work for very little. And, and that was their life. And so Moses comes and he delivers them and he brings them out. And it is not a very long period of time that passes in the wilderness where they start longing to go back to slavery because they get discouraged. They're disappointed because they don't go right to the promised land. Then they get discouraged and they start complaining and they start whining and they get into trouble. And God's like, do you not remember? And because of that, I mean, this is what causes them to have to wander in the wilderness for like 40 years because they're so discouraged and they complain so much that God just gets, he gets frustrated with them. He tries to fix them. He tries to help them. But, but he has to do that through this wandering process. Now, I love this passage of scripture that Paul writes in, um, uh, I believe it's in Corinthians. Would you guys put that up? No, it's actually Philippians. Huh. So he says this. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of what of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So he doesn't look back at the disappointment. He doesn't allow himself to get discouraged. Instead, he presses on. Go ahead and put that next one up. Love this scripture. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. God wants to make streams for you in your wasteland. He wants you to be able to get through the disappointment. He wants you to not look at the discouragement. Instead, he wants you to look ahead. But most of the time, because we're humans and we struggle, we don't do that very well. And so we crawl into the next stage, which is depression. And depression, according to Scripture, is heavy. And it makes you tired and you don't want to try and you just want to curl up in it and you just want it to go away, but it doesn't. And you think things like, sorry, you think things like, I feel so alone. I feel so alone. Depression is an isolating emotion. And so it makes you feel like nobody's going through this like you, nobody's dealing with this, you're all by yourself. And then you think, nobody understands. Nobody gets it. That's why we always say, hey, it's so good to get into accountability groups and to talk. It's just like I was talking to these guys on, on Monday after 4640 conference or Tuesday or whatever it was, and we started sharing, oh my gosh, it was so helpful to know that, that the devil was attacking us all in the same way. And we cared about each other, and we realized that, hey, we understand what, we, what each other's going through. But depression will make you feel like, I'm so overwhelmed, right? Oh, look at my garage. How am I ever going to get? Which the other thing, the really cool thing about being an empty nester, my garage is so clean. 
It's amazing. It's like, guys, do you ever get frustrated because garage is the dump hall? It's like just where everybody puts all their stuff. In your, and now there's not, that doesn't happen. I'm, I'm sorry, I digress. But, and then you feel things like, I feel so heavy. Depression is heavy. The Bible says there's actually a spirit of heaviness. And that's the way it makes you feel. And it just draws you down. And, and you go, I want to fix this, but I just don't even know how because it's so heavy. And then if depression stays there long enough, then we move from there to despondency. Because you think, gosh, depression's bad enough, right? It can't get any worse. It does. And despondency's even worse. And that's where you go, nobody cares. I don't want to be around anyone. And you start to isolate yourself. Right? You just go, I want to be alone. I want everybody just to stay away from me. I want to just go watch really sad movies and listen to that song all by myself. <laughs> and drink like the big bottle of wine. Right? <laughs> Not that anybody here has ever done that. But you say, say things like, I am miserable. I am so miserable and I have no joy. I have no joy. It's robbed me from it. And despondency, it's bad enough. Like that's bad enough, but it even gets worse because if you stay there long enough, it does progress into despair. And man, when you are at this point, you think there is no hope. There's no hope. And there is no way out. There's no way out of the situation. And then you say, I am so desperate. Now, I think sometimes we go, well, I'm not there with my whole life, but I am there with parts of my life. I have despair in my life concerning my kids who are absolutely running from God right now. And they're making such poor choices. And I don't see how anything is ever going to change. We get desperate when we start thinking about our health when we got a really bad prognosis. And we think there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Someone we love may have been diagnosed with cancer or Alzheimer's and we're just thinking, I have so much despair because I don't think they're ever going to be able to come out of this. And despair is something that will wreck us. It will wreck our lives. It will steal our joy. It will make us to where we can't be people that others even want to be around. I mean, nobody wants to go, hey, let's go hang out with some depressed people. They're desperate. Let's go have coffee with them. And we've isolated ourselves to where we don't have any friends. We've isolated ourselves to where it's affected our relationship with God. And the joy that we read about in the Bible, we just kind of think it's for somebody else. Can't be for me. Not with what I'm going through. Now, I don't make light of depression. I believe absolutely that 
you can struggle with depression for a variety of different things. I think that there are those that struggle with depression because it's a chemical thing. It's an issue thing. Hormones aren't right or you have a thyroid issue or whatever, and you have to have medication or you go around in the dumps all the time. I totally get that. But I think there are some things that we can do because disappointment's gonna come in life. That's just gonna happen. But I think that there are things that we can do that can set us up to be able to handle disappointment better. And if we can handle the disappointment right, we can stay out of these other troughs. But one of the things, and this is such a simple thing, but I think that we see a lot of people that will slip into depression because you're just tired. I mean, you're just tired. And if you remember uh, Pastor Dan last week when he was talking, he was talking about Elijah. And Elijah had that big event in his life. It was just this really cool thing that happened where he was to be able to defeat all the prophets of Baal. And it was just awesome, all this cool stuff, miracles. And then right after that, he went out and he wanted to kill himself because that's how the devil handled him. But he was tired. And there's different types of tired. And some of those types of tired is just because maybe you're not getting enough sleep. And I know that new moms and you got babies at home and they're crying at all hours of the night, you get sleep deprivation, that's, oh, that's hard. But maybe you're just not disciplined with your sleep. Maybe you're staying up at light. You're doing stuff you shouldn't be doing and you're not getting enough sleep before you go to work. Sometimes it's just as simple as going, I need to put myself to bed. Go put yourself down and go to sleep. And then sometimes along with that, it's a physical thing and that you're not, you're not eating right. I went through this season of my life and I could not figure out what was wrong with me. I was having chest pains. I was having all these issues with my health and could not under, just couldn't understand what it was. I went to the doctor and they, he looked at me and he goes, dude, what do you eat? What are you, what are you eating? I'm like, well, you know, like for reals in a week, yeah. What, what do you eat? I don't know, chicken wings and double cheeseburgers and fries and chicken wings and uh, double cheeseburgers. <laughs> and he's like, there's no wonder you feel this way. I mean, and every, let me tell you, as you get to be 30, you can't eat the things that you always ate when you were 20. When you get to be 40, you can't eat all the things that you did at 30. And when you get to be 50, then I, I don't even know what we can eat. I haven't had a carb since July. I don't even know. Air, air, that's what we can have, air. <laughs> but <laughs> there's some things that we have got to do for ourselves physically where we just, man, we got to watch what we eat. And then guess what? We have to exercise. Get out and walk and hike and maybe lift some weights and do some things that will make you feel better. It is amazing. And doctors have proven that if we will just eat right and exercise, that our percentages of going into depression greatly decrease if we just take care of ourselves. So we have to ask ourselves that question. The other thing is, are you emotionally tired? Are you, are you emotionally tired? Do you have more things in your life taking withdrawals than putting in deposits? Are you having to hang out with people that you don't really wanna hang out with that are a drain to you? Are you doing activities that are not fun? That are, that, are, that are draining you, that are, that are causing you to, to be empty. You have to ask yourself, do, am I surrounding myself with the right people? I, I wanna be around people that are gonna make deposits in me. 
I have to do things that I enjoy doing. I'm telling you, you can go out and you can, you, you can be so emotionally worn out and you can go and, and have fun doing something and walk back to your home and go, oh my goodness, did I need that? I feel so much better. I have a completely different perspective on my situation. We need to surround ourselves with the right friends and the right activities. That's huge. Monitor your physical tank, your spiritual tank, and your emotional tank. And you may not have to go down this road. Here's another one we see in Scripture is unconfessed sin. Sin weighs you down, and it can be overwhelming. Guilt and shame will keep you in a state of depression. We see that in the life of David. We know his story. We know that he goes out. He's in a place he shouldn't have been. He does something he shouldn't do. He commits adultery, ends up uh, leading, which leads him to kill this woman's husband or, or have him killed. And so he goes through this, and for a year, he doesn't repent. For, for a year, he doesn't come clean with God. And it starts to affect him. And finally, somebody comes that loves him and confronts him. But these are his words in Psalms 51.1. He says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my shameful deeds. They haunt me day and night. And then in verse 8, he says, oh, give me back my joy again. Unconfessed sin, you got stuff in your life that you know shouldn't be there, it will haunt you. It will depress you. It will beat you down. It will steal your joy. And when David finally cried out and said, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me, it changed everything. When we come clean with God, it changes everything. Our relationship with him is, is, is better. And as a result of that, he can start infusing joy back in our life. So sometimes it's just the matter is just saying, God, I'm sorry. I blew it. I was wrong. Forgive me. And that can lift that off of us. Another one we see in the Bible is, man, are you running from God's will? Are you running from what he wants for you? Are you out from underneath his cover? We see this in Jonah's life. If you'll remember the story of Jonah, he was the one that was told to go to Nineveh, but he didn't go to Nineveh. Instead, he went to exactly the opposite of Nineveh, went out to sea, and he was actually swallowed by a whale or a big fish. And if you run from God's will, you have to understand you're sacrificing his provision, his, his protection. If you're running from him, you're going to notice a difference in the Holy Spirit's work in your life as far as his fruits. Jonah said in chapter 2, verse 8 of his book, or verse 4, he says, Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. How will I ever again see your holy temple? I sank beneath the waves, and death was very near. Now, even though this literally happened to Jonah, I think this happens to us when we fall into sin and when we run from God. The waters closed in around me, and seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was locked out of life and imprisoned in the land of the dead. But you, O Lord, my God, have snatched me from the yawning jaws of death. When I lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. God, is, God may be calling you to do something for him. I mean, maybe you're not doing something bad and you're outside of God's will. Maybe he's just wanting you to do something good for him that you've refused to do. But there's no better place to be 
than in his will. You'll never be more comfortable, more joyful, more. Uh, it may make you uncomfortable in some processes, but know this. You will have a joy that you've never had before because you're under his cover and you're doing what he wants you to do. I remember back in like 2000, 2001, our entire staff was able to go through deliverance in our spiritual, what is our spiritual warfare ministry now. And when you go through spiritual warfare and you have a great, uh, uh, God does a great miracle in your life, you want everybody to go through it. And so I remember God telling me very specifically, Tim, you are supposed to start a spiritual warfare ministry at Fellowship Church. You're supposed to start it. I was like, okay, God, I want to start it. I want, you know, it's done so much for me. I, I, I want to be able to share that. So time went by and things got in the way and I got busy and I got distracted. And I remember all of a sudden just this weight came upon me. And it was just like, it was just anxiety. I was anxious. I, I just didn't feel right. And I was just like, God, I, you know, that's just weird. And so I just brushed it off for a long time, trying to figure out what it was. And then finally, you know, like what we should do in the first place, I was like, okay, God, what, what is wrong with me? Why do I feel the way I feel? And he flat out said, do you remember what I asked you to do? Have you done it yet? And I'm like, nope. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was wrong. I promise I will jump on that this week. And as soon as I said that, that weight lifted. And I came home and we started this ministry and it has been incredible. And what started off, we started off with meager beginnings, just a few people. And from there, we've had thousands of people uh, go through spiritual warfare and deliverance. And I was able to hand it off when it was smaller to Amelie. And then she's been able to just do great things with it, which is just so cool. But that never would have started it never would be what it is today if I hadn't listened to God, if I would have just stayed on the direction I was going and I hadn't gotten his will. So that might be what it is for you. You've been fighting his call for your life. Or it could just be spiritual. You have a demon of heaviness that follows you around. And there's probably a reason for it. And let's take, what I want to do this morning is before we leave, is I, I want to at least take care of the spiritual issue if we can. So let's stand together. And guys, if you can lower the lights, I just want us to get close to the Lord and just spend some intimate time with him. And I think that if we were all honest, we'd say there's times that we struggle with depression. There's times that we struggle with heaviness. But for some of us, it's more often than not. And we're tired of it. And we're tired about reading about this joy that it talks about in the Bible and we don't feel it. And it's frustrated us and it's got us to a point where we just maybe even want to give up. So if you would be honest this morning, because I think that one of the biggest steps in getting rid of something or getting better in an area of our life is just admitting our struggle. If you would say, Pastor Tim, this morning this message was for me. I can struggle with depression. I can struggle with this heaviness. If that's you, just as a testimony, raise your hand. It's like almost everybody, right? So now I wonder if you do one more step. If you would say, I'm tired enough of it now that I'll do anything to get rid of. And I know that the only thing that can fix me is God's healing touch. So if that's you and you want to just get rid of this stuff today, why don't you join me down front? 
just come on down. It's a step of faith. If you are a, uh, in our deliverance ministry or in a rest, rest, restoration ministry, if you'll come down too and just offer up some prayer support. And I wanna walk you through some things this morning for us to be able to shake this off of us. Now, almost always, if you're struggling, struggling with heaviness, it's there because you face some major rejection in your life. Come on in, guys, because there's people in the aisles. Just come on in. Now, everybody's faced rejection, but how we handle that rejection is different. Most of the time when we're rejected, and we've all been rejected in one way or another, maybe we feel rejection from our parents. Maybe we feel like we can never live up to their expectations. Maybe we feel rejected from a former boyfriend or girlfriend that broke up with us. Or I'm telling you, if you've ever gone through divorce, you felt rejection. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a coach. And as a result of that rejection, it's caused you to have some unforgiveness towards that person. And there's no quicker way to kick the door open for the enemy than to have unforgiveness in your heart. Because God says, I've forgiven you so much. How can you not forgive your brother? That's what scripture says. Now, every time I say that, the response in a lot of people's head is, yeah, but you don't know. You don't know what my mom did to me. You don't know what my uncle did to me. You don't know what that boyfriend or girlfriend did to me. And I don't. But I'm saying this to you today. It's time to stop allowing what they did to you to affect you in the future. It's only hurting you. That unforgiveness you are holding against that person, it's only poisoning you. They may not even know that you have unforgiveness issues toward them. They may not deserve forgiveness in the grand scheme of things, but according to God, we have to give it. You don't have to trust. You never have to trust them again. Those are two different things. But you have to forgive. Forgiveness is the key to get rid of depression and heaviness. So I want you to think of who that person is, whoever it was that hurts you. I want you to picture them in your mind. You can close your eyes. And I want you to forgive them simply by saying, Jesus' name, I choose to forgive my father for, be specific what they did. I choose to forgive my boyfriend for stealing my virginity and then breaking up with me. I choose to forgive that coach for humiliating me. after me in Jesus' name. I choose to forgive every person that has ever rejected me or hurt me. I pray, Lord, 
you would set me free from this heaviness. That you would bind up and cast out the spirit of rejection from me and my life. And I speak to the spirit of heaviness with the authority of Jesus of Nazareth. And I say to you, it is time for you to leave. You are cast out of my life, never to return. that demon leaves their life, that you would replace it, Holy Spirit, with love and joy and peace. Loose that in this room today. Loose that in our spirits today. During the first service, Omli, the Lord gave Omli this scripture right at the end of the message and it's so cool and I believe that this is his love letter to you as you just did what you did God is speaking this over you the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. You don't have to be a prisoner anymore. You don't have to live in despair and despondency anymore. You're being released. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would loose us right now from captivity to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. In Jesus' name right now, we we ask that you would take these ashes off of our life. These ashes of old mourning, these ashes of old disappointments, and I pray that you would wash them off of us, wash them off of us with your blood and cleanse us. Bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would manifest your joy in our life instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. So, Lord, I pray right now you've given us a crown, and I want you to picture the Lord giving you a crown and putting it on your head because you're his son and your daughter, his daughter. And you're getting a crown and then that's not enough for the Lord because he also wants to give you this garment of praise. And so, Lord, I pray that you would manifest that garment of praise around us instead of of a spirit of despair. And we say in Jesus' name to any spirit of despair that might be in our life, we command you to leave now in Jesus' name. You have no right in us. They will be called oaks of righteousness. That's the way he looks at you. An oak, a tree that can handle the storms, that can handle the weather. And not only are you an oak that can handle all that, but you're gonna do it righteously. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You're being planted. 
to show God's splendor. But Lord, we recognize it's going to be hard for us to do any of those things if we're just burdened with depression and heaviness. So we praise you now that you've taken that from us. We thank you that you love us enough that you want us to do life with you and you want us to do life with you joyfully and filled with you in an incredible way. We love you, God, so much. Let's just praise him right now. Just praise him because he's so awesome and he so deserves it. God, we love you. Tell him you love him. We love you, God. We love you, Lord, and we thank you so much for ministering to us today. And I pray, Lord, that not only would you do all these things in the spiritual for us, but Lord, you also would give us awesome relationships. You'd give us really cool friendships where we would realize we're not going through life alone. And not only that, Lord, but you would give us really cool activities and, and, and things that we like to do in our life that would fill us up. Show us what those things are. Help us to put ourselves out there again to have relationships and do things, Lord, that are, that are filling and fun for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Be safe going home today. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.